Hey there, teachers. Since you're a regular podcast listener, and I know you're committed to improving your literacy instruction, I want to make sure you know about our free private podcast, the Confident Writer System Series. This private podcast was the result of so many teachers asking me questions about how to teach writing. I'd get questions like, my schedule is already so crammed. How do you find enough time to teach writing? Or my students struggle to write complete sentences and paragraphs, yet I'm expected to get them to write a five-paragraph essay by the end of the year. Help! (laughs) So I decided to put together a five-episode private podcast series that will teach you how to teach writing in upper elementary. In this short series, you'll learn the five mistakes to avoid when teaching writing in upper elementary, simple routines that will take your students from confused to confident, and manageable ways to teach writing every day without feeling rushed. You're going to get access to a podcast workbook that is filled with freebies and writing resources. So if that sounds like something that you want, then head to stellarteacher.com slash writing podcast. That's all one word, stellarteacher.com slash writing podcast and sign up for this free private podcast. These episodes are only available inside the private podcast and trust me, you're not going to want to miss them. Hey friends, it's Sarah, host of the Stellar Teacher Podcast, and I am so excited for the very first episode of our best year ever series which is going to be airing every Thursday during the month of January. Now, the goal of this series is to connect you with experts in a variety of fields that are not necessarily connected to the instructional side of teaching, because you're more than just a teacher. And while I really want you to be successful in the classroom, I also really want you to have a happy and healthy life outside of teaching as well. So in our very first episode of the series, I got to speak with Sarah Forst, who is the creator behind The Designer Teacher, And in this conversation, we dig into all things related to teacher self-care, and I thought it would be a great way to kick off our series. Now, if you aren't familiar with Sarah, she really is an expert in all things self-care. And one of the things I love about her is that she leads by example. She has written a book, which is The Teacher's Guide to Self-Care, and she's also the founder of The Teacher Care Crate, which is a monthly self-care subscription box for teachers. If you follow her on Instagram, then you know that she is extremely open and honest with her own self-care journey. And she's really passionate about helping teachers find balance, avoid burnout, and ultimately create happier and healthier lives, which that kind of sounds amazing. I mean, who doesn't want that for 2022? One of the things that I really loved hearing Sarah talk about in this interview is the slow process that she went through to stop working nights and weekends and eventually stop working beyond her contract hours. Now, I know that 2020 and 2021 were both incredibly challenging years for teachers And I think now more than ever, it is so important that we learn how to prioritize the balance between work and our personal lives. So if you're currently working beyond your contract hours, or if you feel overwhelmed with work, or even if you just need some ideas on how you can create more balance and space between work and your personal life, then I think you're really going to enjoy today's episode. At the end of the episode, make sure you visit our website, stellarteacher.com, where you can find the show notes plus all the links mentioned by Sarah in this episode. And then finally, if you enjoy this episode, please make sure you follow along so that you are always able to be the first to know when a new episode of the Stellar Teacher Podcast is released. Now, let's head over to this stellar interview with Sarah. Teaching literacy is tough, but with the right tools, you can be not only good, but great. Amazing. I'm talking off the charts impactful. Hey, I'm Sarah Marie, a literacy specialist with over a decade of experience working as a classroom teacher and school administrator. 
Tune in each week to this podcast to hear no fluff lesson ideas and strategies that will help you feel confident in your abilities to truly grow your students as readers. Are you ready? Let's dig in. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here. Hi, thanks for having me. My name is Sarah Forst. I'm the author of The Teacher's Guide to Self-Care and the founder of Teacher Care Crate and The Designer Teacher. I love it. So I am so excited to introduce you to my audience in case they are not familiar with you and to have you be a part of our little self-care series that we are doing. And you know, you are one of those teachers that I feel like is well known in the teacher space for promoting and encouraging teacher self-care. And I'm kind of curious, like, how did this become an important topic for you to advocate for, to support, to write a book about? So how did you get started in the self-care industry, I guess? Well, I started teaching young, optimistic, and convinced that I could do all the things. I think like a lot of teachers, my life was teaching when I first started. I spent my weeknights and my weekends working on teaching materials and things for my classroom. I felt this huge sense of personal obligation to my students and to my school to the point where it wasn't healthy. I maintained that for a few years, but by my fourth year, I finally had the mental breakdown that was really looming that whole time. I was crying every day. I felt like I could never stop working. Like I was just at a loss. Thankfully, I started therapy. And one of the first things my therapist asked me was, what do you do for self-care? And this was five or six years ago now. And so it wasn't a buzzword like it is now. And the only things that I could think to answer, she asked me, were that I ran and that I slept. And as I went through the journey of discovering how important self-care was for myself, I realized that a lot of teachers were on a similar path that I was. They're incredibly dedicated, but they're living their lives in a way that just isn't sustainable. So it became important to me for two reasons. One, to help the teachers themselves, because I, I really do believe everyone deserves to be happy and to be able to take care of themselves but two, also to help good teachers stay in the profession longer if that's what they want. I love that. And I think, I mean, so much of what you said, I know I resonate with, it's like, you know, you become a teacher and I don't know what it is about teaching, but like, I feel like so much of our personal identity is caught up in our careers. And I remember the working every night, every weekend, like no time for me. And just feeling like I had no other option. It's like, you get on this hamster wheel and you don't know how to get off. And you're like, wait, teaching no longer is bringing me the joy that it once did. But I don't want to quit because I love, you know, working with students and I love making a difference. But I love that you made this sort of your own passion because I know you're helping a lot of teachers now figure out just self-care and how to find that balance. I know that you said that when you first started therapy and sort of on the self-care journey, it wasn't a buzzword or as important. Why do you think it's become like such an important topic for teachers to be aware of and dig into, especially in like today's climate with teaching? It's funny because like when I had that experience, breakdown and burnout, it was before the pandemic started. And so it's sort of, I don't want to say funny. I mean, it's sad, but for me now, I see so many more teachers getting to that point than before, you know, where I felt there was already a portion of teachers feeling that way. Now it almost feels like everyone. Mm -hmm. Self-care is not a luxury at this point. Teachers have to take care of themselves if they want to continue teaching, period. They're being pushed and pulled in every direction right now. And I honestly, I don't blame the many teachers who are quitting, but if you want to stay, you have to create a solid self-care practice. Yeah. I love that. And I think not even if you want to stay in teaching, but like, if you want to be a happy adult, I don't know if that's like one of the pros of the pandemic, but I feel like the pandemic has highlighted the fact that like so many people need to be aware of their mental health and balance and self-care. And so it's like, you know, maybe you were able to like survive without being aware 
of like your personal boundaries and things like that before the pandemic. But I feel like the pandemic has really highlighted this fact that it's like, no, we are people like we are important. We have your feelings. We have, you know, boundaries and we need to be aware of those and kind of like take care of ourselves if we're going to be happy and productive adults. So I know that you have written a book, which is so awesome. I feel like writing a book is like on my bucket list. I don't even know like how you get started with that, but the book is entitled The Teacher's Guide to Self-Care. And I know in this book, you share practical tips that help teachers build resilience and avoid burnout. I would love if you could share two to three of your favorite tips with my audience. So that way, if they are experiencing burnout or sort of want to prioritize self-care in this new year, they kind of have a starting point. Absolutely. So self-care, a huge amount of things fall within that category. But yeah, I have kind of two or three things that I think will really help teachers looking to get started and, you know, just want to survive and hopefully start to thrive a little more with teaching. The first of those is to set firm boundaries. I think that's one of the most important things teachers can do. So saying things like, I'm going to spend less time on schoolwork. That's not really effective. Like if you're familiar with IEP goals, I was a special education teacher. You can think of it like that. You would never say, Frida will become a better reader as an IEP goal. (laughs) You know, that doesn't mean anything. It needs to be really specific and that's going to help you follow through. Like for example, not, I'm going to try to leave work earlier. Say, I will leave work by four o'clock every day and I will do no more than one hour of work at home. I will not take parent phone calls after 8 p.m. I will only be on one committee. I will only check my school email once on the weekend or whatever makes sense for you. And then that's going to make it easier for you to follow through. And then when people start to push you on those, because they will, it's easier when you have those boundaries to fall back on. For example, the principal asks you to be on another committee and you just say, I decided to only be on one committee this year. Making that decision ahead of time makes it a lot easier to follow through. I love that. And I think that that is, I love setting New Year's resolutions. I love sort of making this list of like, these are all of the things that I'm going to do better this next year. But it's like, you have to set those very clear boundaries. So I love the whole like leaving work at 4 p.m., only doing one hour of work. Any suggestions for teachers who have not set these boundaries? And like, just as far as like, if it's a good place to start, like how do we scale back from working, you know, late every single night to, you know, only staying an hour after work? Like how do teachers begin to start to figure out like, where do I even like start by setting my boundaries? Yeah, I would say, I mean, it's great to set these firm boundaries up front if you can. I know that's not always realistic. I think there can be a shift from going first, you may be at the point where you're working all the time and the boundary that you set is taking out some of that time for yourself. Okay, I'm actually, I'm only going to work on Sundays. I'm not going to work at all on Saturdays. Long term, I would like that to be more like actually all of this time is my time and I'm only going to spend, you know, two hours on work. But I think, Sometimes we have to start small because depending on where you are, I mean, I see teachers now posting all the time. I think this is great. I'm not working at all outside of contract hours. I think that's awesome. I don't think that's necessarily realistic for all teachers, especially just starting out. So if it starts with right now, you're working from when you get home until you go to sleep, start with, I'm going to take, you know, a half hour or an hour for myself every night. And then you can start increasing it until you're on, on the other way around. And I'm only spending an hour or a half hour on work. I like that because that's not like this huge radical difference, but it's like, okay, I'm starting where I'm at and I will work backwards to get to the point that's going to be like best for me. So I love that tip. That's so helpful for teachers. What else do you have? In a way, this is similar. I would say to make a self-care schedule. I guess the reason I say it's similar is because you have to have something firm in place Mm -hmm. in order to follow it, at least for me. And the same thing, you can start small. One of my first parts of having a self-care schedule when I was teaching was I'm going to stop any schoolwork I'm doing by 8.30 p.m. on Sunday nights, and I'm going to take it back. If it wasn't part of my schedule, I probably would never do it. 
because there's always one more thing to do. But I had it written down in my planner. Okay, 830, I'm closing my laptop, I'm going to take a bath. And the same with these boundaries, you can start slowly, you can add one thing a week, you know, maybe it is taking that bath, maybe it's going to a yoga class every Monday night, or meal prepping on Sunday afternoons, having brunch with a friend each weekend, but you can start gradually adding those things in. And it does get easier. At first, it really does feel like, no, this is impossible. I have no time. But as your mindset starts to shift, you'll you'll realize that you do. I'm thinking about when I was in the classroom and just the whole like the to-do list is never ending of a teacher. And I, you know, remember working Saturdays, working Sundays, working nights. And, you know, my husband's always like, aren't you done with work yet? And I'm like, no, 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 no. Because if I do these next three things, like I'm going to be caught up, like I'm going to be ahead, you know, like I'll get everything done. And he's like, but you said that last week and you're still working late. You know, he's like, you're always going to have more things on your to-do list. So like, why don't you just stop and take some time away? I never could, but I think it's important for teachers to acknowledge that it's like, you're never going to have an empty to-do list. You know, there's always going to be more things that you could do. That doesn't mean that we should do them. So I love the whole, like coming up with a self-care plan. Hey teachers, I'm interrupting this episode with some exciting news. Guess what? I've opened the doors for the Stellar Teacher Reading Membership for all of January, 2022. The Stellar Teacher Reading Membership is a growing resource library that will give you the no prep lessons, tools, and support you need so that you can get back to putting your energy into what you're actually meant to do, teaching. It is literally a one-stop shop created for reading teachers just like you. And you wanna know the best part? We are adding new resources every single month. So if you wanna start the new year off with less planning, less prepping, and more support, head to stellarteacher.com slash membership to learn more. I can't wait for you to join us. And until then, have a stellar January. I got to the point when I was in the classroom where I was like, I don't even know like what my hobbies are anymore. Like, I don't even know like what I enjoy or what would feel good for me in terms of like self-care. So like any advice for teachers as far as if they want to come up with a self-care plan, but like, don't even know like how to begin or what that looks like. What do you suggest? So not, I'm not trying to like hawk my book here, but just the first thing that came to mind is I do have the book is structured by the different types of self-care. And then I have a list of sort of acts of self-care in each of those categories. And also, you know, you can Google and find, oh, what are, what are types of intellectual self-care? What are types of social or emotional self-care? And I think it's important that we're kind of hitting all of those different areas. And I also think something that can kind of give you an idea is think about what you enjoyed before you were a teacher. Did you like to read? Did you like to do crafts? Like what were those hobbies and interests that you had before teaching became all consuming? And maybe those things don't interest you anymore, but you can go back and kind of check in with yourself. I love that. And we will definitely include a link to your book in our show notes and everything, because I mean, I think it's like so important for teachers to do the work and like figure this out. And so if there's a resource that we can share with them, we would be more than happy to. So I'm curious, I know you've got some other tips you want to share, but you mentioned this idea of like different types of self-care, like having intellectual self-care or social Mm -hmm. self-care. Can you talk just a little bit about some of like the different types and why it's important to possibly like consider those? Yeah, I'm literally, (laughs) (laughs) she has her book out (laughs) just so that I can make sure that I cover all of them. But yeah, I think often as self-care has become more of a buzzword, people just like instantly think doing a face mask or taking a bath or whatever, which like those absolutely can be forms of self-care, but it's more than that. So the types are at least how I see it. I'm sure other people have different definitions, but physical self-care, taking care of your body, you know, eating, exercise, 
emotional self-care. You could also call that mental health, spiritual self-care, social, intellectual, vocational, and environmental. So I think, you know, if you can take a closer look at those and see, okay, what areas am I doing well in? Maybe you're doing great in social self-care. You know, you're close with your family, you make time for your friends, but you realize, you know, mentally, I'm not really in touch with myself. Maybe I need to go to therapy. Maybe I need to spend some time journaling, you know, so we're all kind of in different places on the spectrum with those different areas. I think you're right. It's the whole, you know, and again, not that like taking a bath or getting your nails done or whatever is bad. But I think, you know, for some teachers, especially if that's not necessarily the area of self-care that they need, like those suggestions aren't going to really be helpful. But I love this idea of like, no, there are so many different types of self-care and we need to really be aware of what we need in all of those areas. So I love that. What else would you say for teachers who are wanting to start a self-care practice or routine or things that they need to keep in mind this year? One of the biggest things I think is saying no, again, similar to setting boundaries. It is related to that, but one of the most powerful things you can do as a teacher, or like you were saying, even just as a human being is to say no. I think almost all of us are people pleasers or helpers by nature that we went into teaching. And especially when we first started out, we might've gotten into the habit of just saying, yeah, sure, I can do that. Like I know as a young teacher without kids, I felt like, oh, I need, I need to take on everything. My colleagues can't do it, you know, for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. So I I became like a, a yes man, you know, like everything they asked someone would say yes. But I think a helpful mindset shift can be by saying no, I'm actually helping myself and others by allowing myself to have a more sustainable teaching career. You deserve to say no, no matter what, but I know that can be hard for teachers. So if you think of it in that way, I'm actually helping people by saying no. If there are extras that you're genuinely passionate about and you have time to do it, great. But from what I can tell, there are very few teachers who are in a place to do that right now. You're simply being asked to do too much. When you're asked to take on an extra responsibility, just say no, not doing it. If they won't take no for an answer, I actually saw this was something Angela Watson posted earlier this week saying, if someone, you know, won't take no for an answer, your principal says, you know, basically you have to do this, ask them what other responsibility they would like you to drop so you can take on that new one. And I thought that was so powerful. Don't pretend you have all the time in the world. You know, you don't say, okay, well, if you'd like me to do this during my prep, when would you like me to do the grading for this week? Or or when would you like me to complete this other assignment you've given me? I saw that post too. And I was like, every teacher needs to screenshot this because I like that mindset shift that you said, how it's like by me saying no, I'm actually helping, helping others. And really you're helping the school community because I think again, teachers, we're helpers. Like we want to help. We want the best for our students. We want the best for our school community. And so I think like, we naturally think that the easiest way for us to do that is by saying yes, but it's like by saying yes, we're making it so much easier for our school administrators or anybody to continue to pile on and do more things when it's like, wait a minute, we don't have time to do like the bare necessities. So yeah, I think it's just like switching that sort of like mindset shift that it's like, it's okay to say no. And by no, it's making me a better person, which will make me better for my students, but also it might help out the school community and like the big picture as well. Yes. And I love putting it back on them a little bit, like acknowledging this isn't all me. I don't just have to do everything that you ask me to do. I mean, you do in a sense that they're your boss, but just admitting that I don't have the time to do all of this. So when would you like me to do this? Or what responsibility can I take off my plate? Because I mean, I have empathy with administrators right now. I, I know it's hard for everyone. But if they want teachers to last, then, you know, they need to get used to them saying no. Yep. Or they, you know, hopefully then that makes it easier for the administrators to be like, you know what, we don't have the teacher capacity to do whatever extra program the district is asking us to do. So, you know, it's sort of just like it trickles in both directions there. 
you know, all of these tips I think are so good and helpful for teachers, especially because it gets to sort of the root, you know, how important it is for us to set boundaries and prioritize ourselves. But I feel like this has been such a tough year and all of these things, it's like, okay, it sounds really easy to say no or to set boundaries when things are going well. But like some of these things seems like it could be so hard to start in the midst of a really stressful school year. So what would you say to teachers who are just feeling like, okay, these things sound great, but are they actually going to help me? Or how do I start to put self-care into practice when this year feels so overwhelming already? Yeah, I totally agree. And I actually feel like this is a big frustration point for teachers right now. I'm starting to hear some pushback of people saying, my admin's telling me to practice self-care. Meanwhile, they're sending me, you know, this whole list of things to do, or they have this self-care PD, but you know, it's meaningless to me or, you know, great. This is just another thing for me to do that. I don't, I don't have time for and it's not an easy mind shift. I don't think it is something simple that you can say, oh, go practice self-care, like have fun. It is a shift of thinking as your job or your students as your first priority to making yourself your number one priority. Yeah. And maybe that sounds selfish, but as human beings, that is our primary job, right? To take care of ourselves. And if we don't do that, we can't do all the other things. So, I mean, I do recommend starting slow. Like when I first started therapy, my therapist gave me homework of like doing nothing for 10 minutes twice a week. Sounds terrifying. Like, how is it that like doing nothing sounds so scary, but probably is really valuable. You could tell she had already gotten to know me because she only said 10 minutes twice a week. <laughs> and I actually fought her on this. I was like, I don't, I don't have time, which is like laughable now as like a parent, but I was 26 years old. I had no kids. I didn't have any responsibilities outside of teaching. And I was like, no, I don't have 20 minutes a week. But I always do my homework. So I started it. And, you know, nothing could be like for me, it was like coloring in a coloring book or doing a puzzle, something that, you know, didn't have a, a direct outcome. And something like that, I think, is an easy way to get started because you do have 20 minutes a week. Like, come on, we all do. And, you know, that started to grow. I started to notice, you know, when I took a break after school, even if it was just for 10 minutes, I felt better. It kind of cleared my head. Then I was able to get, you know, more on track. So it started to be, you know what, I'm, I'm actually, I'm going to get crazy here. I'm going to take 10 minutes every day after school, you know, Moving on the wild side. <laughs> yeah. And then it became, okay, actually I, I can probably budget in half an hour. You know, my classroom's not falling apart. So I'd say just start slow. If that's where you're at, that's where you're at. And it's not easy. Stuff will go undone. I'm not saying you can practice self-care and do all of these things and your class is going to look just like it did before, but you need to force yourself to prioritize. So use the time that you are working on stuff that really matters, stuff that really moves the needle for your students or your class. And then some of it's going to go undone. You know, I stopped laminating centers my last year. I was just like, all right, you know, if they fall apart, yes, I'm going to reprint them. Like, yeah, something has to go. I think that is such an important thing to sort of like remind teachers of or to keep in mind. And I think it's like almost this idea that like self-care is almost like, okay, if you practice self-care, it's going to fix everything to where it's going to be perfect. But I love how you just mentioned, it's like, no, when you start practicing self-care, it's almost like the opposite. Like you're not going to get everything done, but I think it's just this acceptance that it's like, I don't have to have laminated centers in order to be an effective teacher. I don't have to have the cutest bulletin board or have everything perfectly color coordinated and all of these cute things, you know, all my fonts don't need to match in my classroom in order to be a good teacher. But I think that can be scary for teachers to sort of like step back and say, okay, I'm going to put myself first and acknowledge that like some things might go undone. So I don't know, do you have any advice for teachers who are the perfectionists, the, the type A, the control freaks that like have a hard time letting go of some of those aesthetics? I mean, it's hard because I also sometimes get pushback from teachers. Well, I enjoy that stuff. You know, that's the part I actually like. 
And it is hard. And if that's something you genuinely enjoy, you know, that actually makes you happy doing that decorating, fine. But this, again, is something my therapist taught me, who I still see five years later. Karen, (laughs) she's great. But to think about what are you giving up? What are you giving up by spending your time on this? Would you genuinely rather have a cute Pinterest perfect classroom than spend time with your spouse or your kids or have, you know, a good mental health space? And that really changed things for me. I'm literally giving up. In my case, it was spending time with my husband. I'm giving that up for these things that don't really matter. And so I, I think there can be a balance, you know, a lot of teachers now are saying, I'm not going to do any work over the summer. And that's great if you can swing it. But you know, if you're someone who loves decorating your classroom, and you want to spend a couple hours a week on that, I think that's totally fine. I think you just need to limit it and make sure the priority is you and the school stuff comes after. That's great. And I think, I mean, I've been working with a life coach this year. And in a lot of cases, I'm like, she is like my therapist, <laughs> but she sort of like helped me realize where it's just this idea of, you know, you can be doing something. And even if it is, you know, even if you enjoy it, even if it's, you know, something that's like fun for you, everything comes with a cost. And then you have to sort of think about like, is this worth the time away from family, the time away from like my physical health? You know, I I've always, I used to, I should say, I'm still trying to, I'm trying to enjoy running again, but Mm -hmm. I've always been someone who enjoys exercising, but even just with work can feel like, oh my gosh, I have to do this next thing, you know, but it's like, okay, at some point you have to make the decision. And it's like, even if I enjoy this, even if this is fun for me, I need to sort of prioritize the other aspects of my life, which means I might have to sacrifice something work-related that is enjoyable for the sake of my family, my physical health, you know, like all of those forms of self-care that you kind of talked about, like being a well-rounded individual. So yeah, I think it's worth teachers sort of like thinking about what time is this taking away from if I am working on those things, you know, the parts of work that are fun, but it's still work, you know? bulletin boards and Pinterest worthy and Instagram worthy classrooms. It still is work at the end of the day. Yes. And I think sometimes it can come off a little harsh, but I feel sometimes that's what teachers need is someone to be a little bit straightforward in that way, because the reality of teaching right now, I think is harsh, even harsher than when I was at that point a few years ago. And so we have to be a little bit ruthless, like in an ideal world, maybe you do have time to do all of those things, but you just don't right now. So many good tips. And I love just how practical they are. I also want though for a minute, I'm curious, you are the founder of the teacher care crate, and this is like a self-care subscription service. And I love following you on Instagram and seeing anytime you do like the unboxing of what's included for your care (laughs) crate. But I'm curious, can you talk a little bit about what this is and how it came to be? Yeah. So speaking of something that's way less harsh is teacher (laughs) care crate which for me is like more about embracing just like the fun side of self-care and adding a little joy into teachers' lives. So it is a self-care subscription box. It's monthly. There's a theme. And the things included inside are just things meant to remind you to help practice self-care and just brighten up your life in general, whether that's like a fun accessory, bath bomb, chocolate, tea, just things that kind of make your life more fun and enjoyable. I started Teacher Care Crate almost four years ago now, which is wild. That's awesome. Thanks. Yeah, my friend from Mrs. Russell's room, she had a friend who made subscription boxes. And she just said, oh, sir, you should do something like this for teachers. You'd be great at it. My major in undergrad was actually object design. So the idea like immediately appealed to me. And I was like, I don't know anything about like, you know, it, it seems so daunting. Like, how do I start this? But I just kept thinking about it. My husband was like totally on board. So I started January 2018 with 25 boxes out of my apartment. 
I made like bath bombs myself. I like hand beaded <laughs> little bracelets. It's like so funny thinking about now. I'm like, I don't even know if that's legal. Like, <laughs> you know that I'm like hand making this stuff and sending it out. But now we ship over a thousand each month. I've learned a lot each month. I love like the feedback I get from teachers. It's just been a lot of fun. That's awesome. And I always, I love hearing other teachers who are impacting and helping teachers, you know, through your teacher care crate or just all the teachers that are doing, whether it's, you know, courses or programs or magazines or whatever it is. It's just, I think it's fun when teachers are like, okay, I'm using my experience to help, like you said, bring joy to other teachers. So, so fun. We will definitely link to the teacher care crate in the show notes as well, in case our audience wants to check that out. And then I'm so curious, since we've kind of been talking about, you know, self-care here, what is one of your favorite ways to practice self-care? They can kind of ebb and flow, change over the years. Again, like becoming a parent, that's been like a whole nother thing. I have a one-year-old, but this is very cliche self-care, but my favorite thing is to go to the Korean spa for the day. There's one close to me in Chicago. I discovered it a few years ago and it is just like, it's a very different experience. Like it's very distinctly Korean from like anything else I've experienced. It's also really affordable for what it is. I used to go every month after we packed all the teacher care crate boxes. We don't do it in-house every month, but I was doing like hundreds of boxes. So I was like, I need something. I've gone once in the last two years, like after I was vaccinated, but before Delta and can't wait to go again (laughs) once it's safe. (laughs) Hopefully soon you'll be able to do that. That sounds like a fun experience. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for being on my podcast today and sharing all of these great self-care tips with teachers. I think it's just such an important topic that we continue to have conversations about and support teachers with. And so I am so grateful that you were willing to come on and share your area of expertise with my audience today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Stellar Teacher Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and are finding value in this podcast, it would mean the world to me if you would follow along and leave a five-star positive review. This helps me spread the word to more and more teachers just like you. And don't forget to join me over on Instagram at The Stellar Teacher Company. You can always find the links and resources from this episode in the show notes at StellarTeacher.com. I'll see you back here next week.